0: Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out our friends at FanDuel TV. If you're looking for some content and you want to stay up on what's happening in all of sports, go watch Through the Ringer right now. I am the host of that television program, and we've had a great year. We have Cousin Sal, typically on the Tuesday episodes, and we got Nora and a cast of Ringer characters on the Friday episode of the show, Through the Ringer. So go check that out. We also have the Ringer Wise Guys. That is every Sunday. They actually did two shows this weekend for Wildcard Weekend. I guessed it on one of those shows down at Spotify. Shout out to Raheem. Shout out to JJ. Shout out to Joe house and shout out to cousin Sal. They're doing some great work throughout the NFL postseason. So go check it all out on FanDuel TV. Go do that right now.
1: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
0: On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, first and foremost, we want to say happy holidays. Happy MLK Day here. It is a Monday. So there's some good college basketball, NBA basketball, and even NFL football that is happening right now. So we know you're locked in and tuned in. So we appreciate you tuning in to the program. Today, we're going to talk about six top 10 teams that lost. And, uh, you know, also Houston, they lost twice. Oklahoma lost twice. Uh, a lot of people are losing to unranked teams. That is the story in college basketball. And now we're trying to figure out who the number one team. Team in the country is. I think it's the UConn Huskies. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Rick Patino, another incredible press conference that uh, we can just not get enough of on the show, but we want to check in on Rick and make sure he's okay. Uh, we'll also talk about Kentucky, Texas A&M. That was a great game. Uh, also some fun ones. Uh, USC is a conversation point now with Bronny James taking center stage. So we got a lot going on. We're going to guess the storylines with Bronny. We're going to talk about Tucker DeVries a little bit later in the show. So we're going to go all the way around college basketball and whip around and have some fun. Uh, we're also going to do the big 12 dog park. We joked about it with each other and we're going to do it today. So if you're here for the dog park and you love dogs, get ready because that is a ridiculous conversation. Uh, Kyle, anything else before we get into
2: today's episode? Tate, the sport is heating up. We got a new number one team. Bill Walton yeah. is confusing America, and Rick Petito needs to be on 24 hour surveillance. But first, <laughs> Woody Durham.
0: Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Monday, January fifteenth, twenty twenty four. It is also MLK Day. We'll talk a little bit about that, but it's also a manic Monday here on One Shining Podcast. We have got Kyle Man in the building. Kyle Man, great to see you. Happy holidays.
3: Good to see you too. It's a lovely ten degrees here in Louisville. My feet are literally cold here, sitting at my uh, at my desk. But basketball's heating up live right now. We got Fairfield vs. Yeah. We got Ohio State, Michigan. If you're if you're into that that rivalry and Sienna Niagara. So some good hoops going on during the daytime. But uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you doing Tate? I'm doing well. And I love that uh, you brought up that the action is heating up. This is the time of the year when we get every announcer
0: pointing that out that the action is going to heat up. And uh, speaking of announcer shout to Gus Johnson. He's calling games uh, today, works on the holiday, and uh, he called a Howard game a couple of years ago. We did an interview with him, Titus and I did, and he's incredible. Um, he really made like this day really mean something and talked about what it means to be in media. And uh, another basketball story on this day I wanted to bring up, George Raveling. You and I are George Raveling, guys. Uh, we respect the Nike brand. We respect that he was spearheading that effort. If you watched air this year, shout out to Ben Affleck, got nominated as a director, um, no spit takes from Quentin Tarantino. Have you ever seen that mashup video when he wins for Argo and then it cuts to Tarantino and he spits out his water um, when he wins for best director? Wait, it's was, actually, Tar- it's was Tarantino a, it's a up that year? Yeah, he was up for Django that year. Um, oh, right. Okay. That makes well, it, it's, a, it's a mashup video that's not actually how it happened. He did that earlier in the night. He did like the spit take, but like it's been in the internet lore. It's been cut <laughs> together. So people think that like when Ben Affleck got announced, he spit it out. Um Side tangent there, but back to what we were talking about. George Raveling, important piece uh, you know, in the basketball history, um, in the zeitgeist of what is basketball branding. And uh, he actually has the I Have a Dream MLK speech. And if you've never heard this story, um, he mentioned it in air. It was like a little passing moment, but it's an incredible story. He told me when I was interviewing him for the five-star this whole story, but SI has a great article up right now. Just wanted to highlight that. Go learn about George Raveling. He has an incredible story, Villanova legend, and he actually worked security that day for MLK as he gave the I Have a Dream speech. And MLK said, here, son, you can keep these pieces of paper. And he still has them to this day. So um, basketball connecting to history, history connecting to basketball,
3: all good stuff. So I wanted to give a little shout out to George Ravling. Imagine working security for somebody. I mean, that's just, you're really close to like a really seriously important history. That's right. uh, that's an incredible story. Yeah. And like like you said, they kind of brought that story to the mainstream. And I'm glad that they decided to include that in that movie. A lot of times there'll be nods and kind of movies like that that depict history. And you just be like, you didn't need to do that. But that one was a story that like I, I really liked. Uh, and I like that they did that um, overall. But uh, yeah, Raveling's one of those guys that's just like connected to. You do. You know this better than anybody in terms of like just chronicling the five star sort of like the. He, he just was one of those grassroots dudes who just knew everybody. You just you talk to him, and he's just kind of connected to basketball, college basketball history specifically. I feel like uh, just just one of those dudes that's uh, in the Vicaro in the Ravelling sort of lane there. Yeah. You know. And he's still the
0: director of international basketball for Nike um, right now. So, George Raveling. I wonder what that job his, entails today. What does well, he do? I think he just I think probably has
3: breakfast with people and flies
0: yeah. around, right? If you go to Summerlee, you're going to see George Raveling having breakfast with somebody uh, <laughs> of importance. You know what I mean? It might be Steve Kerr. Who knows? It, it could be anybody that you walk by. It could even be like a podcaster, like JJ Reddick. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. George Ravling's locked in. Shout out to him. Uh, shout out to the holiday. Shout out to we have basketball. We have NBA basketball. Uh, if you like that sort of basketball, it's happening on MOK Day. Usually, it is the star of MOK Day, but we have NFL football now because of weather in Buffalo. So taking a little bit of shine away from uh, the NBA, but also like you said, college basketball is happening. And speaking of college basketball, let's talk about the chaos we got going. Six top ten teams lost once this week, while Houston and Oklahoma both go zero and two. The last time you and I talked, we were, you know, I I personally was talking about Houston. This could be the year Um, they've handled the dog park so far. Um, We're going to talk about the dog park a little bit later, but oh, and two this week. So the dog park not going well, but the rest of the top 25 was in trouble. Let's look at the entirety of what happened. So number one, number two, number three, number five, number six, number eight, number nine, number 11, number 17, number 19, number 21, number 23, number 25, all lost to unranked opponents this week in college basketball. So the action is heating up, and it leads me to a question uh, to you, Kyle, man. Who's number one right now in college basketball? Who do you feel like is the number one team? Who's earned it? Um, you know, UConn's in the conversation. Some people are even throwing Carolina in the conversation, Purdue. Uh, maybe you still believe in
3: Houston. What? What say you? Who's number one right now? Who the best team is? I mean, I st- you and I talked about this about like who we who we think are sort of the they're the pretenders and the contend- contenders. I still think Kansas and UConn are the two teams that I've just kind of kept my eye on. I know mm. UConn's dropped a couple, the one to to Seton Hall, and I know, but uh, I, I'm just watching those two teams. Kansas has some issues that I think are going to sort of flare at the end, but I still am kind of fixing my eyes on UConn in terms of a team that I think has like. flexibility to make adjustments they can go big they can go small i think they've got star star caliber talent that i think is is going to round into form by the end of the year i think they have guys that are going to contribute more by the end um that's the team that i think and but this is it's sort of a different conversation right you know like Mm -hmm. the 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 qualifications to be in that top spot in terms of your resume in terms of you got to win the games you know whether or not you're a contender or not um Kansas, I think, you know, Houston, Houston, like you said, has had a, a tough entry into the dog park. I feel like right now it's probably between Kansas and Purdue. I'd still lean towards Purdue. What do you think? Where's your head at right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like UConn fans are just saying, it's us, look at us, we're right there. Uh, when we are healthy, we're the best team in the country. They believe they have the best coach in the country. We can talk about the Dan Hurley maniac meter. Um, he's having some moments again, but they're winning basketball games. I personally think, when Donovan Klingon comes back and if he is healthy and he gets into the flow and you know plays 10 games in conference leading into the tournament, UConn's going to be the toughest out in the tournament. And until I see anything different when they play neutral site games against other power teams... At full strength. I, at yeah. full strength. I think that they are the best team in the country. So I have no problem putting UConn at number one. It does seem like the politicking and the fact that Zach ED just had 30 and 20, Purdue's going to stay at number one. And I'm not, I, I'm not against that. But if it were... If you came up to me right now, it's like, who is the best team in the country that if you you had to saddle up with and they play anybody else in the country, you think you have a good shot at winning that game? It's going to be UConn, uh, especially a fully healthy UConn. So um, I don't know if they're going to be number one in the polls. The AP poll right now, it's 918 Pacific time. It is not live, so uh, they could be ranked number one. I think that the AP voters are going to keep Purdue at number one. Well, it'll be interesting to see how high Carolina gets. I think they should be around five, six range, but they might even bump up into three, four territory. We'll see Kentucky had an opportunity to be in that same conversation where they even might may have an argument to be one of the top teams, if not the top team based on the resume, which is insane to say, but they yeah. play a tough game against Texas A&M. We'll talk about that um, here, in a, here in a second, but first I want to talk about the good this week uh, and it's the good guys and we're talking about Texas. This is a simple one. Max Asemus has 32 points. Texas loses the game against West Virginia. That's right. West Virginia, a team that we saw Houston absolutely demolish, now beats Texas, a team that was ranked in the top 25, which kind of surprisingly ranked in the top 25. But just want to highlight this Texas team. It is not going well. Um, you got Texas fans now saying, What's happening with Rodney Terry? Did we did we make the right choice? Should we have had a full, you know, coaching search? Yada, yada, yada. The whole it's all spilling out uh, as losses are piling up. Um, so good guy of the week, Rodney Terry and this Texas team. Do you have any hope for this team, Kyle, man? Do you see like some
3: signs of maybe they can still be a contender and make a run to the tournament? Uh, well, it's, you know, they've played pretty well whenever they're, you know, they're scoring the ball whenever they're playing against some of these teams. It's it's tough. You know, they're picking on their quad four opponents. They're 9-0 oh in quad four games. But whenever the competition <laughs> seems to level up, but I guess even that doesn't hold up. They're just their effort is really inconsistent. Um, you know, they don't. Sh- they're playing sort of that same physical style. You know, they're 258th in the country in three-point attempt rate. Uh, so they're playing that sort of bru- bruising kind of physical style. Um, I, I don't know. Are you are you a believer in a national championship? heavy quotes caliber team. You know, that's the ambition. Uh, a Max A. Smith sort of led team. Is Chippy kind of at best or can can he be the focal point of a team that's going to win at that level? I just, I don't know. It, it, he brings sort of defensive questions, I feel like. If you're going to buy into that, you kind of you sell your soul. I know that's a negative way to put it, but you kind of make your bed if you decide, okay, he's going to be the focal point of our offense. He's going to be the guy that's going to be leading us. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm pretty dubious, pretty skeptical of, of a team having that kind of ambition. If he's like your focal point, I, I feel like he's best served to be, you know, we'll talk about Rob Dillingham. We'll talk. He's sort of that like extra piece that, that, that guy that maybe you don't build your whole offense around, but he gives you sort of an extra scoring punch. And right now, maybe they're leaning a little too heavily on him. Yeah, and he's a great guy. You know what I mean? Everybody loves Max Smith. When they talk about
0: him, they're like, he's the best. Uh, You know, it's awesome to have him as as a face of this team and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to affect the bottom line unless he can drop 40 points and it's even more hero ball. And this Texas team is just... Not what you would hope they would be. Last year, there were conversations about, hey, maybe Texas could make a run. You know what I mean? I like this team. They got a lot of talent. They did well in the transfer portal. And they were honestly galvanized by the big scandal that we had with Chris Beard midway through the season. So um, there was a little bit of like nobody believes in us energy behind them. Shout out to our guy, Bill Simmons. But um, this version of Texas, maybe it's more feel good because Max Smith is such a good guy and uh, he's so likable, and we're going to have to talk about him because he's going to have these great efforts. I mean, 32 points, that's nothing to bat an eye at. It, w- it was a great game from him, but um, Kirk Creasa, Raquan Battle, this West Virginia team, they kind of felt like, they kind of looked like a basketball team and they found like a way to be cohesive together. It felt like they were rowing the right direction in the same direction for the first time all season. So I don't want to like kill Texas too much because I did think West Virginia played the best game I've ever seen
3: them play. And they, yeah, uh, they, they do have some noteworthy talent. Yeah, like right. I think you're right. It's not like this is like, but there is kind of a battered bastards of basketball vibe to, <laughs> to this team, West Virginia team where they're just right. kind of, they're not like, uh, they're not like obscure nobodies. I think that you hit on it though. Like you talked about Chris Beard leaving who gets credit for the idea. I think the identity thing is the key thing with the Texas team. That team last year just had a a clear identity in terms of like guarding the ball. You and I talked about in the, in the tournament about how well they guarded the deep, the three point line, how well they guarded the rim. Granted they had, they had some trouble and they ended up getting knocked out. Like, but um, it was Miami that knocked them out right? by by a really good
0: Miami team. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but you look, you never want to be in the middle. That's the thing we talk about in in like the NBA. Granted, they're not in the direct center, but they're, you know, they're, you know, 51st in offensive efficiency and 59th. You're just kind of, you're here near there. You're wishy-washy. And I think that's why you're getting some of these kind of head-scratching results because that identity that, it just didn't carry over you had success and year over year. We've talked about how your, your identity can change overnight. Your luck changes that quickly. It's it's the Vegas thing. Um. So, and they just haven't been able to establish that same level of identity, I think. Yeah. And the identity crisis that's happening right now at Texas is coach, bad guy, star player,
0: good guy, and uh, they're not meshing well. So we, we got a conversation there. We talked about the good. Let's talk about the bad. TCU, um, they have an amazing effort against Houston. This game had it all. We have a Damian Dunn technical in the first half, which you and I, uh, you you got the tape and figured out how that happened. Shout out to Damian Dunn. He's had some incredible technicals during his career, dating back to his Temple days, uh, a Kinston, North Carolina native. I've always been a fan of him. I was not a fan of his last possession in this game. Uh, Kelvin Sampson called it a boneheaded play, said that he should have had the ball in Jamal Shed's hand. But at the end of the day, Micah Peavy gets a big steal. TCU gets a big win. They win 68-67. Jamie Dixon feels great. Kelvin Sampson doesn't take a timeout late because he said Jamie Dixon is going to be able to you know, put a, a defense out there to stop him. So I understand why he doesn't take the timeout. Um, but the bag is TCU. They lose to Kansas on some controversial calls, and then they get two top 10 wins to follow that. So uh, Jamie Dixon is in his bag. What are your
3: thoughts on TCU? Man, they've been playing great lately. I mean, whenever you have sort of like an emotional, like you just you expend a lot of emotional energy. You know, it's 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 a testament to them, and I I think it's something I'm going to be thinking about later in this season. Granted, and and you know, if they like fall off a cliff, I'll be keeping that in consideration too. But like their resolve is an interesting thing to be able to turn around and play another team quickly and to play that the way that they have. You know, you, they beat Oklahoma by nine, and then they beat Houston by one. Um, throughout this game, I mean. They uh it was in, I was was rewatching this game this morning. A big thing here, you know, LJ Cryer can't play like this if Houston expects to win. Yeah, his um, last he, two games have been bad. Yeah, yeah. In thirty seven minutes played, he was two for fourteen. He just looked a little he looked a little out of sorts throughout this, but Houston was having a lot of success pressuring them early in the game and they, you know, got a little bit of a lead and um shed actually being out i think allowed tcu to get back in and kind of establish and kind of play better but down the stretch of this game you know shed had some amazing plays you know two minutes left he had that crazy drive to the basket and he scored 126 left he hits a dribble pull up three houston's up four but they come back and you know jameer nelson even though he's not shooting the ball well he's played pretty well in terms of distributing getting it where it needs to go i know we kind of joked about him early in the season about his dad writing his uh 247 scouting report but. um, yeah, TCU. They're a resilient team, <laughs> I, I, I want to give credit to Emmanuel uh, Miller on the last play of the game. It's yeah. a really smart cut. I think it was Dunn that turned his head. Up. You know, talking about the the turnover on offense, I thought the turning of the head on defense was was critical. You know, Emmanuel Miller made a great cut to the basket. They scored. Um, who knows if this game's different? You know, they got a big game out of. Um, uh, they got a big game out of uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm blanking on the name. They're they're big guy. Houston's big guy. Um, Jawan uh, Roberts. Yeah, Jawan Roberts. Sorry. Uh, got a big game out of him, and he played well. But yeah, Miller Miller made a great cut at the end of that game, and uh, PB made a great steal. It was I like TCU man. They're a resilient team. They're somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, Jamie Dixon's a beast, and uh, he's a guy that goes back to his alma mater,
0: and they're 9 0 at home. And if you look back, TCU now has 21 wins over top 25 teams in the past six seasons. Shout out to ESPN for that stat. And before that, they had just had 14 such wins in program history. So Jamie Dixon went back to his alma mater, completely changed the tenor of who they are as a program taking them to that next level and uh he's had some you know they they had the whole controversy last year where you know they thought that they were going to run him back and everything was going to be good but then they had you know some some problems within the program and you know whatever jamie dixon cleared the air they got some good pieces they're a fun team and uh when they play at home they're really good and they're really tough to beat like i said undefeated at home this season and um I just really like the way that he manages this group, and I think that Jameer Nelson Jr. is a spark plug. And it's also a great year where we got Phil Martelli Jr. earlier in the year, right, having his moment with Brian. Now we got Jameer Nelson Jr. having a big time. Uh, we got New Mexico. I'm not calling them the Lobos anymore. I'm calling them the New Mexico Nepos. Um, they're all the second-generation <laughs> guys. Um so it's great. It's great for the second generation stars. It was great to see, uh, you know, Jamie Dixon win this game uh, after the Kansas stuff. And to go two and one against top 10 teams throughout a week is impressive. And in fact, they did it two years ago. So Jamie Dixon, this is familiar territory. This isn't the first time they've been like this. So um, I'm impressed.
3: Under- underrated coach, I think, Jamie Dixon. I mean, I feel right. I feel like people like people who really follow college basketball are aware of him and give him, you know, take him to the florist, as we say. But um, yeah, what, what do you think Damian Nunn said? I'm really curious. I rewatched that. I sent you the clip for anybody who hasn't seen it. Tate was like, oh yeah, Damien Dunn got thrown out of, uh, got thrown out of a game against Tulsa last year. And I went right. and looked the play up. Uh, yeah. He needs someone in the face, basically charged. And then like basically did the, you know, you, you do the Iverson step over. He basically walked along the length of this dude's body <laughs> and, and like just dragged his knee o- over this dude's face. So Damien Dunn, Wild card. He's he's a little bit of a loose cannon. It's a it's a fun thing to have that aggression and energy. If you're Houston, that's your identity. We'll talk about identities more (laughs) as it pertains to certain uh, symbols. But um, yeah, I mean, what could he possibly have said? It didn't it didn't seem that demonstrative. It was an interesting day of technicals. But this one, this one without the audio seemed a little tame. I don't know. I think that there's a short leash
0: with Damian Dunn um, and for whatever, so? yeah, whatever reason,
3: that's just how officials have always treated
0: him, but he is from Kinston Shout out to the two, five, two you know, I think it has more of a playground feel to it. And also, you know, we've heard the stories of Jerry Stackhouse. He's from Kinston. And it's like, if you really want to bow up or square up, like, that's no problem, you know? Like the wrong guy. Be, wrong gonna, guy. It's yeah, gonna be no problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's an expectation. Um, if you really want to say something. And uh I think mm. Damien Dunn has a little bit of that dog in him, you know what I mean? So I have to I have to give him some credit. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he said, but you know, anytime the B word gets dropped on a basketball court. Things escalate. So you and, think the uh, b
3: word was present in the sentence? I think it's.
0: I think it's possible. I'm not. I'm not going to speculate, but I do think the b word. When the b word gets tossed around, I think everybody
3: is uh, ears perk up. You know what I mean. And one b word is kind of pedestrian. I think that's standard fare these days. But yeah. I guess if the leash is short, I don't know. And and one b word is. Uh, we'll talk about Baylor Shireman's tech, which is never a sentence that I thought I would say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just some tame text. Let's just let's. I don't know. But I, I guess you're trying to keep the integrity of these. These young men in check, it's not like the NBA where we can, well, where it, we can say things, you It's know? just picking and
0: choosing, though, because I'm watching some of the games. Baylor comes to mind, Baylor's like dunking the ball, swinging on the rim. Like, I mean, and I, I love it, Like it's great energy, but you're like, that's a technical, uh, yeah. typically, or it used to be, um, which I don't need it to be. But if it's not going to be a technical when you do that, then it shouldn't be a technical when you say and one B word, you know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep it consistent uh, with these technical fouls. That's all we're saying. Um, you talked about identities. Let's go to the dog park. let's let's go to the big 12 dog park. You texted uh, Kyle and I over the weekend uh, that you wanted to identify what dog uh, pertains to what team in the big 12. And the more that I let this marinate over me, the more fun I thought we could have with this. So I do have a dog for every team in the Big 12. Did you did you find a dog for every team or do you have specific teams that you you feel like they speak to you and you know what kind of dog they are?
3: I found it harder than than I than I re, than I thought it would be cuz I sat down right. and I was like this is going to take me a long time cuz the more I thought about it cuz I, I was like I could just are we cuz I started thinking about it I, I didn't really give you any kind of parameters. I was like are we yeah. talking about the personality, of the coach, the brand mm. of the program like it can vary. I got a couple I can rattle off here, and you can yeah. kind of fill the gaps in. So I, I think the first one, you got to start at the top. Let's talk about Kansas, the team with the pedigree. You know, they, they often are physical. They have great size and athleticism. They have talent. They're they they they're, they're well-coached, so they're, it's a clever program. You know the game plan. You know, Kansas is a German Shepherd, I think. I think they, mm. they're a team not to be messed with, always to be taken seriously. You know, I love German Shepherds, but if you see German Shepherds out, you're like, That's probably a really sweet, smart dog, but be careful, you know, they're a little wild. It's the thing. So, um, uh, German Shepherd, agree or disagree there? What what, what are your feelings? Kyle, I want to hear your thoughts too. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I like the German Shepherd pick. I do think it's like a very like obedient dog. You know what I mean? That's like kind of policing what's happening on the you know in the park right now. So I I do like that. Talented but trainable, right? Yeah, talented but trainable. See, I went with lovable and top dog. And uh, when I went for lovable and top dog and intelligence and like you know, Bill Self's kind of like, oh shucks, you know, just 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 you know, let's just hang out. Like, give me some pets and uh, golden retriever. (laughs) <laughs> is what I went with for Kansas. I just feel like everybody loves them. Everybody looks at them and respects it. You got Naismith's name on the court. You know what I mean? You got you got all this pedigree. All these great coaches and players have kind of come through the pipeline of Kansas. It all starts in Kansas. Um, so I just feel like when you ask someone the number one dog, if we're on Family Feud, they'd say Golden Retriever. So I, I gave Kansas that nod. But German Shepherd, I like that. I, I like that as well. It makes sense.
3: Yeah, people who have German shepherds, they act like they're the sweetest thing in the world. So I, uh, you know, yeah. it can vary. You know what? So uh, you <laughs> that's know, you what's said- tough about this because it's like it's not
0: even though obviously like dogs like have what you would expect their temperament to be. But like each dog can be whatever and and act a certain way. So it is hard to stereotype these dogs.
3: You know what I mean? That yeah. was the hardest part. My sister has a, girl, has a German Shepherd and the thing's a coward. It's a super coward. If you pull, if you like even touch his leash, he's like, oh, he just like yelps and stuff. And it was a baby. It wasn't like it was like an abused. I, I'm just saying you, to, to your point. So you never know There, we also have German Shepherd cowards. I was going to say my, my other one here that I had, um, Baylor, just talking about Baylor. You know, I was thinking kid friendly you know does well where you know baylor a program that freshmen come and they they go for a year a little less chippy because i don't is there is their energy the same as it used to be you know i think after they won the title i think they're be a little bit like you know stepping to people like i'll slash your throat kind of energy so i was saying you know they have the potential to be energetic so i went with bulldog medium weight you know Ooh. i just thought that this was a this was a team that that has the energy to be aggressive but maybe they're maybe they're climbing, you know, new kid on the block sort of energy isn't isn't as uh, aggressive as it used to be. So I went bulldog. Yeah, I like bulldog there. Um I went with yellow lab for Baylor. I feel like yellow lab
0: is what I imagine Scott Drew has as his dog. I feel like a lot of Baylor fans also have yellow labs. Um and I think like early on you think on a he, lot
3: of Baylor fans have yellow labs. In my
0: head that's what I imagine. Um <laughs> And I also think that, like, when you get a lab for, like, this first five, six, seven years, depending on the lab, like, they're just energy, like, you know, they're just everywhere, bounce around the walls, everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, but then they have this ultimate chill period where it's like, they're established in the house, you know where they go, you know what they do, they have their own little lifestyle, they get the treats that they want, they kind of just, like, live and exist and they operate at this higher plane and uh but you remember the great energy they used to have you look back at the videos and you're like man how fun was that how how fun was that team it's
3: it's sort of the mark cuban thing you know it's like climbing energy is just different i think we can all agree on this like you know like when mark cuban came into the nba he had that climbing energy Mm -hmm. and i just feel like i feel like baylor they want it so maybe they're a little chiller they're like hey we we earned our seat at the table so that's yeah. kind of speaking. Well, I think we're kind of on the same page here. But the kid-friendly yeah. thing, you know, kid so. for the kids, yeah, for the family. Uh, you know, just hanging
0: out like they own the house, right? And yeah. everyone's like, oh man, we love Baylor. Baylor's yeah. the best, best Who's, dog we've
3: ever had. What's your next one? You what, let me hit me with one.
0: Yeah, so uh, I I like I said I got one for every team for TCU I did Bulldog. Um, I just feel like for whatever reason Jamie Dixon gives me the Bulldog eyes, you know what I mean? I'm just like he's just a sweetheart deep down. He has a tough exterior, but once you get past it, you're like, man, I love this guy. He he's just down for his home. He's down for his people. Um, so I I went with Bulldog for TCU. Um, I, do you have one for TCU? Did did one did one strike a chord with you?
3: I, I like that one. No, I, that was, that was the one I had trouble with. I did get one for, uh, for Texas. I know we were talking I about like Texas. Texas. Um, I went with great Dane, you know, Texas has, uh, t- great Dane, a lot of size known for, for their size. They're big, they're bruising, but short lifespan, <laughs> like it's right. in the tournament, uh, Texas, I hate to say it. I think we all know, you know, they, they you know, they, They've ha- they have a history of not uh, of of having great size and physical sort of prowess and 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 not going the distance. So other than you know you know those 2003 ish, I think they had the one run late in the tournament, but never going the distance. So I went with Great Dane. Sorry, sorry, Texas. <laughs> Shout out to T.J. Ford. Uh, great time in college basketball. Um, I thought Texas last year
0: could have done something, but I went with Poodle here because I think that Texas is a great show dog. You know what I mean? Like we're we're at the dog park. We're not in a dog show. It's a different conversation. But I. I do think like texas in a different environment they could win you know what i mean if we put them in a show environment you're like man the the individual talent that we have here yeah. oh my god they're, they're first in show right they're, they're a poodle to me because when they get in the dog park it's like they got no shot you know yeah. what i mean but like in a different setting they would be winning you know what That's i mean a great That's, answer that's, I think these are both solid
3: lines of reasoning. <laughs> like I, I like mine makes sense, but yours really makes sense. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that, that's, that's
0: what you got to go with for, for Texas. Uh, the one that I, I don't even know like why they, I just closed my eyes for Oklahoma and I said, border collie, um, obviously border war. Um, I don't know if maybe that's why I went with border collie, but then I look at the the dog and I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty good dog. You know what I mean? Like that, that dog's going to have a chance out there in the dog park. And, uh, but as soon as it gets out there and it goes up against like a Doberman or like, you know, a pit bull or, you know, you know, one of these other bigger dogs, you're like, Oh, okay. I, I do see the difference here. Um, but I, but I do respect the Border Collie, so uh, no no disrespect to Oklahoma. But that's the one when I closed my eyes, I saw that one. Okay, and I feel I feel like Border Collies don't get any love either. So. Yeah, you
3: might you might not think about them immediately, but they have their moments. You know, <laughs> right. it's like it's not the top of the list, but you'll meet people. They're like, background yeah, actors, but they're super talented. Like they're
0: committed to the bit. You know, you're like, man, these guys really they really are buying in to what Porter Moser is cooking over there.
3: We'll have to. I should ask Tyler what he because he's he's our native, he's our in-house sooner guy. I should ask him what he thought about this. I'm curious. Houston is the one I think right now that since they brought it up, you know, this is the thing that inspired it. I also wanted to say that Kelvin Sampson kind of he just he just has such a weight on his face. I feel he he looks like he has like he could be the sheriff in No Country for Old Men. So I was thinking maybe at some point I'll do a Photoshop no conference for old men. Maybe we'll do that. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to say, um, Houston. talking about the climbing energy, the team that, you know, we're talking about, they just have this intense, like we're climbing energy, but they haven't quite proven it yet. They haven't quite gone the distance in modern, like in in our modern era. I know they have a little bit of history, um, in, in the past. Uh, I, this might be insulting, but their climbing energy is so intense that I went with Jack Russell. I know that, like, Ooh. you know, they they're gonna intimidate some people even out of the fight. You know, you're talking about the border yeah. collie. That like they might just be like, you know, maybe I could body you, maybe I could take <laughs> you, but your energy's so much, I'm on my heels. Yeah, I feel like that's right. Houston's energy. They come at you, they come at you. You know, um, I went with Jack Russell. What's where? Where are you on them?
0: Well, I just from Jack Russell standpoint, I had Cincinnati as a Jack Russell Terrier. Um, okay. And that was basically okay. to match Wes Miller's energy. Um, and like Jack Russell Terriers, like you think they're sweet and you know, like, oh, what a cute little dog. Then you realize it's a predator and it will bite your hand off. Um, and I think that's what Wes Miller gives. But I like that for Houston. I put Houston as German Shepherd. Um, Ooh, okay. And I did that because they, uh, you know, initially when he was talking about the other teams in the Big 12, he called them German Shepherds. And I read that to the next level to say he was projecting um, because he views his team as German Shepherds. And he's like, there's other German Shepherds here, and we're not sure we're the strongest German Shepherd. And he's very loyal. Um, And I feel like his staff and his players, like everyone's very obedient and everyone's like following the, you know, it's a very like culture, high culture program, you know? And I feel like German Shepherds thrive in high culture environments. And uh, so that's what I went for with Houston. But I think Jack Russell, it's great that we both, you know, in our heads are like, we know what a Jack Russell Terrier is really up to because some people, they get tricked by these Jack Russell Terriers. You know what I mean? They're tough dogs. I mean,
3: you open fight. the door to the house of somebody that has a Jack Russell. There's, I think, I would say 95% of the time the person who opens the door is like, I might just go home. Like if somebody has a Jack Russell, <laughs> it's like the, the, the dogs so are I'm jumping scared. five feet in the air. <laughs> yeah. like, I just think, when I'm using I'm using the weight class thing as pedigree, so that's kind of why. So Houston fans, if you get mad at me, that's basically where that's coming from. If they win with that energy, they'll graduate to a higher weight class. That's that's all I was thinking. Uh, let's see. I I'm curious where you went with BYU. I know we don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this, but uh, just you should just rattle off a few more that you had here. I yeah, go. BYU. I went with Bassett Hound.
0: Um, I just feel like <laughs> Mark Pope is like my my best friend, and uh, he doesn't even know it. And I just feel like I love a Basset Hound. They're just like the coolest. They're just so chill. And like, sometimes they really impress you with some of the athleticism that they have. You know what I mean? You throw a frisbee <laughs> to a, to a Basset Hound and you're like, holy hell. athleticism. <laughs> yes, so
3: I can yes, see that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah.
0: Some shocking athleticism. Like, uh, like some, whoa, like you gotta do some double takes, like two woes. Um, yeah. So sneaky, I, huh? yeah, yeah, sneaky, athletic, uh, okay. so, All so right. shout out, shout out to BYU. I went with the Basset Hound for them, uh, UCF. I went with the Dalmatian. Um, I just feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like great in show, you know what I mean? Like Johnny dog, like if you were presenting UCF basketball, like with the, with the deck and you're like, this is what we have. This is what we produce. These are some of the moments we've had. We should have be Duke with Zion in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like there's game. Yeah. like in show, like UCF is going to do well um, in the park. I'm not really sure because Dalmatians, I think that they're just going to get like standoffish and kind of freak out, but on their own, you're like, I can see why the big 12 wanted UCF basketball. I can see why they wanted to bring them into the dog park. So Dalmatian for them, uh, West Virginia, I was going to do shit um, but then they win. And I have to course correct because I don't think there are any Shih Tzus Uh, and no disrespect to the Shih Tzus. I feel like they're getting a bad rap here, but um, I decided to go West Virginia Corgi. I feel like a Corgi is just like quirky and fun. And I feel like Kirk Rees and a Corgi makes a lot of sense to me in my head. I feel like that's like a Robin big type TV show um, that could happen. So West Virginia, I changed in from a Shih Tzu to a Corgi. Um, Oklahoma State was another tough one. Mike Boynton, shout out to their program. Got some great history with Eddie Sutton. I feel like Eddie Sutton would have a beagle. Um, so I I went with beagle for Eddie Sutton and Oklahoma State. And they're also, you know, at the dog park this year. They're they're not
3: they're not putting up much of a fight. Somebody's there for the vibes. Somebody's gotta be the Shih Tzu though for this because the, the it its name was in, invoked. So I I feel like we, they would probably have to get that this year, wouldn't they? I would say o- Oklahoma
0: State, you are the Shih
3: Tzu. Yeah. For this unfortunately. year for this, this year. For their-
0: but yeah. but Eddie Sutton, I don't think, would have one. So that's what I couldn't put it, but you're right. They have to take it. Um Iowa State, I put Doberman. Um I just think they're tough and they're they're especially tough at home, you know. Like if Always. you go to a house with Dobermans, you're like, man, these guys are way too comfortable at this house. Like this is their this is their ground. <laughs> um you know, shout out to Hilton Magic. Um so Doberman for Iowa State. Kansas State I put um, a pit bull, um, just because like they're tough, but they're also sweet. You know what I mean? Like Jerome Tang's like the sweetest guy and like has like these really impassioned, like speeches and, and love for his players. You know what I mean? But they're also tough as shit when it comes to like actually playing as we saw in the tournament last year. So I went with the pity for, uh, for Kansas state, uh, TCU bulldog. I said that Baylor yellow lab. Oh, Texas tech. Last one. Uh, I went with the French bulldog. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know why.
3: <laughs> I just I closed I was gonna my say eyes. I don't know what's the explanation here. Really expensive. Uh, I, I my to drop a bag yeah, that, that's yeah. what
0: I was I was thinking. I was like, it's it's a really like if you're a really rich person, you have a French bulldog and I feel like Texas Tech's got some NIL money. So uh There we go. You know, I, right. I that's the dog park um that was fun i i i appreciate that we tried to do that and uh it wasn't as dumb as it turned as, as i thought it might be it's it's somewhat made some Thanks sense. Thanks
3: a lot tate i i could feel the i could feel no. the radiating this
0: is dumb energy it over was text. No. It, it, it was it was it was me <laughs> you know what i mean i was like because i had the problem with like what are dog characteristics and you and i both were like on google
3: being like what what is the characteristic of yeah. a flexible dog <laughs> I'm sure we'll get some feedback on those choices. So yeah, go ahead and yell I'm at sure. us. I'm sure that's that's what uh, that's what these things are for. So yeah,
0: and the and the dog park will update. You know what I mean? Like we we just had fun. Absolutely. We try to we try to piece the puzzle together, and we got a long ways to go in the Big 12. Shout out to the Big 12. Uh, great conference. Uh, we've done the good. We've done the bad. Let's do the ugly. Grab your game day gear because college basketball is buzzing and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the fun. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. If you go to FanDuel Sportsbook right now and look at some of the conference odds, you can get some great value on some of these top power conferences, maybe the SEC. You take a bet on Auburn. That's a team I really like in the SEC. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join than now. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet. You got live, same game, Parlays easily find bets in the explore tab. Dive into the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit fanduel.com/slash/osp and make this college hoop season one you won't forget. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. Five dollar pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. Ten dollar first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non withdrawable. bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm
0: Rick Pitino loses in a nail biter to Creighton on the road. Uh, Baylor Shireman teed up in this game and Rick Patino gave an absolutely electric post-game press conference where he basically says he would, uh, after a loss, he is willing to go outside in the frostbite and die. That is how he feels. Um, he has invoked death multiple times after losses. He also says he's going to jump in the East river. If St. John's does not win the national championship under his eye. Um, are we are we concerned about Rick Pitino, Kyle man? Because we've done the good, we've done the bad. This is the ugly. Uh, I I love Rick Pitino, and I don't want him to be uh, taking it too far. Because the, is the bit gone too far? I guess is the question. Because I'm I'm officially concerned
3: about our guy Rick Pitino. You start to wonder when somebody repeats something that much. It's like there's imagery here. I don't know if we were if we were like in an, in a lit class about uh, and I don't mean like an energetic class. I mean, like a literature class. Uh, I guess you have to clarify these days, but um, maybe you don't. Uh, if we were in a class analyzing the text of, you know, Rick's last season, we'd be like, OK, what are the themes? It's like, OK, well, he keeps mentioning death directly. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think if you're if you're sort of like reading the text here, it's kind of like maybe, maybe he feels mortality you know, sort of bearing down on him a little bit, you know, he's not, he's not in the, like, like Crip Keeper stage, but I mean, he's not no spring chicken. He's been around. He's probably seeing his legacy. He's thinking before I walk away from this, you know uh, what's going to be, you know, he probably would coach till he dies. Um, but I found it interesting that, you know, he talks about killing himself. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then he says the F word. But he, and he apologizes for that, but he also kind of openly talks about killing himself. I just found that interesting that, you know, we, we, get, all, we get all uptight about the F word, but he just openly, I don't yeah, know. Right. Kinda, yeah, right. The
0: priorities is like there. Yeah. The second part of that is way worse. Here's the exact quote. He said, quote, when we lose, I fucking hate the world. I want to kill myself and die of frostbite, end quote.
3: Um, nobody's like hey don't kill yourself over a game (laughs) but apologize for that f-word yeah drop (laughs) yeah
0: don't you dare say the f-word uh but good point rick uh this is a very old big east and i so i do have to respect it because it is like it feels very cut out of the 90s 90s where it's like he's not being literal you know what i mean obviously this is very metaphorical talk there is some context there but like you said, Rick, we need to chill. We need to pull it back a little bit because uh, the more you talk about it, the more like you put it in the in the in the conversation in the air where it's like, are we really worried about this? Because Rick, we love you. Basketball what? needs you, and St. John's needs about three more years. And it, look at Karnaseca. Like my God, the guy's got the fountain of youth. I mean, he, he's almost about to be a hundred years old. So it's that Rick. You got too. thirty. You got thirty more
3: years, Rick. So uh, we need what you are we- around. What are we even talking about, though? Do you think about the words that just came out of your mouth? We're talking about Rick pulling it back. We don't want that. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell's going just, on here? Just the conversation <laughs> about killing himself. I think we've, we've gotten
0: this is my third strike. I'm doing the Rob Dillingham with Rick Bettino. you know this is strike number three. The first time with the East River, I laughed. The second time I was like, "Rick's keeping it real. This is how oh, he feels after real. loss." Gonna... Yeah. Third time he's like, "I, <laughs> I want to walk outside into the snow and freeze to death."
3: I was like, "Wait a, a s- second, Rick." <laughs> Rick's like, "I have a cyanide capsule. So don't money, but yeah, like uh, he's really threatening us." But on the on the like purely on like the basketball side of this, um, I know that's a factor in this conversation. This Let's talk game, about it. Saint John's is like slowly but surely kind of trending up uh, for their last five. Um, you mentioned the Baylor Tech. I, I thought that you know they. Creighton uh, led at like in the second half at the beginning of this and St. John 30, 30 to 37 and St. John's battles back and gets up 56, 47 with nine oh eight left. And um, we're in good shape, but they've been offensively playing a lot better in this game. I thought was an. itch And Patino talked about this a lot in his postgame presser. You know, we joking about him saying he was he was gonna kill himself. He was very affable in this. Like he was funny. It seemed like he was in a yeah. good mood. Somebody, uh, what, what he's prom- killing the media this year. Like he, like
0: he, you know what I mean. Like he is winning the war against the media. Like they can't help but say how great Rick Patino is. Like it's honestly a masterclass. He should have a masterclass on like how to control the narrative. He was even like mentioned in Trilly Donovan the other day. You know, like he's completely plugged in into like what's going on it, amongst like these media types. And the more he speaks to them the more that they're going to speak highly of him. You know what I mean? It's kind of genius. And I like what yeah. he's doing. So you're right. I mean, the press conference was great. There was just this one moment where you're like, whoa.
3: <laughs> well, he, he the thing that prompted that question was, he was talking about the game in such a level-headed way, in such an yeah. affable way, that one of the guys was like, So you seem like you're in good spirits, and Rick just explodes. He's like, yeah. He's
2: like Fuck no, I'm
0: not
3: good. He just like yeah. loses his mind. And there's Rick a just, storm brewing inside of me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he you know, he had his kind of crazy look in his eyes. But like I thought he talked about this a lot in the game, that this was an interesting sort of battle between things that Creighton surrenders willingly because they have Runner back there which we can talk about but you know the big guy they funnel people to him to let him bother shots you know they are first in the country well and they're in the first percentile I don't know if they're literally first but they 19.5% of the field goals that Creighton allows are in the mid range so they welcome you to do that and St. John's likes to take that shot so throughout this game you know 23.4% of their attempts uh and they hit on 42 and a half% of them Uh, It was just sort of a back and forth. So I think at the end of the game, you saw, you know, Dennis Jenkins, like, made some plays. Creighton started trapping him at the end of the game. They didn't have – their guys just didn't quite make the plays at the end of the game uh, to to get it done. But, um, yeah, it was close. I I think they're trending upward, though. I I don't know that they they quite have the talent to sort of get where they want to go. But I think that Rick is slowly but surely – and he's a master at this over and over again. Like, he's slowly but surely kind of establishing – uh, the way that he wants to play. They just couldn't quite get this one done.
0: Yeah, and you can see guys like Simeon Wilcher showing signs of growth as a player. Brady Dunlap's been a nice piece that's come on uh, as they've gotten into conference play. I do like the St. John's team, and, and I like Soriano. They have some sort of stabilizers on this team, and Rick seems like he believes in them. I, I'm worried about Kalkbrenner on the Creighton side, by the way, from the free throw line especially. He's got to figure it out. He's got to lock in. Uh, Calkbrenner, he has this ability to look like he's just... Oh, like, you know, like exasperated, always. always exasperated. And like t- this year, it's, it's to the ultimate extent. And I feel like Creighton, to really get this team to where they need to go, they need Trey Alexander to be, in- to be involved, especially with, you know, the pick and roll game with him and Cockbrenner, which means you need Cockbrenner to be active and, invo- and involved. And then they can't just rely on Baylor Shireman to hit 35 footers and 30 footers, you know, step backs. And like, there's just too much on Baylor right now. And I love it. Even though Baylor's I want to see it. Yeah, Yeah, I do want to see it, but I do think like Trey Alexander has got to get back involved um, and Kalkbrenner especially. I mean, he's got to get fouled. He's got to get to the free throw line and he's got to make free throws. So even though Creighton won this game, I still feel like Creighton has a next level they can get to if uh, they can get Kalkbrenner kind of connected again because he does have the talent but sometimes he can be frustrating and and I understand why Creighton fans feel that way
3: yeah he can kind of come and go and disappear and kind of blend into the crowd which is funny to say for somebody that big but I think that's that speaks to what's frustrating about it I'm sure for coach McDermott but like um, at the end, of, I was going to ask you all, well, he had a big block with like 42 seconds left in this yeah. game. Are we calling it, it hit big blocks from him? Is that a big cock block, big cock, cock block, like, cock is block. That Morgan, a cock block. I, I had a, that written he, down in my notes. I just wanted I like to get cock that out blocks. That's uh, good. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, do you think that Dennis Jenkins got fouled on that last play? You know, there was a scramble for the ball with like 18 seconds left and, uh, he kind of got hit, and the ball went loose, and that caused, you know, St. John's was going to secure the ball and get the win, and that led to the foul where Alexander hit the free throws. You think he got fouled on that play? Did you get a good look at that one? I think he did,
0: and it was Shireman, right? That kind of dove at the the back of his legs. They both I mean, did. Yeah, Colquhander right. and
3: Shireman both did, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that charge it to the to the game and charge it to playing on the road. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're at home and you're in Queens, St. John's probably gets that foul call. But that's this is college basketball. We, there, there's never going to be a perfect, you know, world where we actually get the right foul called. And then a lot of times with these makeup calls. Um, it'll never be the right call, but you know, it's kind of like how holding in football goes where it's like, you could almost call it on every other play, but you pick and choose when to make it work because of like situational, uh, things that are happening. And Trey Alexander getting that ball, like swung back to him and him driving and then ended up hitting the game winning free throws. I can understand why Rick Petito and St. John's fans are like, this is BS.
3: But, uh, like I said, charge it to, to being on the road in the big East. Last thing I wanted to say about Patino, he said something. He said that the quote from him was, lobbying for calls is a form of cheating. I just wanted Agreed. to submit that to the court. I agree. Uh, yeah? You, that's you like a great that point.
0: I'm so, I'm so done with it. It's terrible. 20 fouls to uh, Creighton's eight.
2: So, I mean,
0: yeah. what do you mean? What are we really I, talking about here? That's why I said charge it, charge it to being on the road in the Big East. I mean, that's just what it is. But that's that's what the gaming of college basketball, especially with the officials – I mean, it happens in the NBA as well. Um, it, it is at an all-time high, and it also feels like guys, and coaches, and people involved with the game, even the fans, think that they can manipulate the officials in their favor. And and sometimes, as we know, that can happen, especially if you're in a home environment. You know, in college basketball, where you could have twenty thousand people say, "Yes, great call, we love you," or we could say, "Boo, we hate you, we want to murder you, we want to get your address and figure out where you work." Um, like that, that's, those are two, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that's, I mean, these are the two extremes. So of course there's going to be some moments where the, the human side of things factor in, but yeah, I mean, I, I could understand the frustration from, from Rick Patino and St. John's fans, but at the same time, Creighton's like, when we go on the road to St. John's, we're going to get the same treatment. We're going to have 20,000. They're going to have eight. So it should even out at some level, but it doesn't. But that goes back to like the makeup calls and the farce of it because sometimes officials are like, I got you back, you know? And it's like, if they're even having that conversation with the coach, which is obviously happening, uh, we're too far gone. And uh, it, one of the things that, that Coach K has put on the game is that, you know what I mean? like I coach counting the coach seconds. Coach K, this is his legacy. Flopping, which is another thing. The flagrant fouls that keep getting reviewed, I think we should start reviewing flagrant flops. Um, I think we should go and, and review the flops and decide if they're a flagrant one flop or a flagrant two flop. And then we get free throws on that. It's not just the fouls, it's the flopping. And I'm pushing that agenda right now because that is also at way too high of a level across basketball. It's insane.
3: This is I like this flagrant flops. This reminds me of something that speaking of Tyler again, we made up on uh, on an NBA show where we wanted to put something in for the challenge call called the this fucking guy provision, which would be a provision for if a guy is flopping in a way that's extra annoying. So uh, under that provision, they could go back and look and be like, that's super annoying flagrant two-flop, you know, you know, two shots in the ball, whatever Perfect it is. example, Boo Booey on Northwestern. We talked about it uh, a little bit a couple shows ago.
0: But Boo Booey, I mean, he initiates contact on purpose to try to get the other guards in foul trouble. And it is gaming the game. You have to respect it. But it is sometimes you're like... Let's go to the let's go to the monitor here. Like yeah. let, let's take a look because it's a flagrant flop, and we can't have it in the game, especially when it's manipulating the game and the result of the game. Purdue fans uh, have been up in arms about this. A lot of people pointing the finger at Boo Booey, but he is a good player. He's played a lot of basketball. He knows how it goes, and uh, uh, he has. Yeah. yeah, so. That's the ugly. We talked about the ugly in college basketball. Let's talk about a game that was great. Uh, Kentucky, Texas A&M. This was a fun game. Ends up going to overtime. Boots Radford. Um, Shout out to Tyrese Radford. Uh, The reason he is called Boots is because he is, quote, tough as leather boots and Buzz Williams just started calling him boots. I think that's a great nickname. Uh, He sounds like he's going to be Johnny Appleseed's best friend and like, you know, a a, a story (laughs) or something. Like it's it's ridiculous, but it is awesome cuz uh, Wade Taylor and Boots Radford were incredible in this game. Kentucky played a great game as well. Um what were your thoughts watching this game? This was like premier SEC basketball I thought. This was a this was a fun one. Buzz Williams had to win this game. They would have gone 0 and 3 in conference. Kentucky is looking like one of the best teams in the
3: country. What did you see in this one and what you like? Uh overall I think you're starting to see some of the um I guess there are a few layers to this. First, I want to say that like um, I was I was laughing because um, I got a shout out from Cameron Mills on the Kentucky pregame show, and he was and he he basically said something that I texted him, which was if Kentucky scored ninety, I thought that that would be a double digit win for Kentucky. Yeah. Well, I loved that getting a shout out about uh, and and giving me credit when I was like that epically wrong. That was pretty embarrassing. Uh, so thanks for that one, Cam. Uh, but I was going to say that you know. This team's skinny, man. And this is going to continue. And we knew this about this in, in the beginning of the year, this Kentucky team, that like one of their big flaws, and I think you saw it against Missouri, is that like physical drivers, um, Marquette kind of has this issue too. They have skill guys surrounding kind of like a fulcrum passer in, in Igadaro. Similar thing with like uh, with uh, with Kentucky. And that like if Kentucky doesn't guard the ball and if like their kind of connector guy doesn't play well, which is Trey Mitchell, he had one of his worst games of the year. Yeah. Um, if I were targeting Kentucky and I were trying to draw up, I've been thinking about this. Like if you could like take a hammer and just like hit one spot in the foundation and cause a huge crack. I feel like Mitchell is probably the place a because if you're gonna make him guard the rim, B because if you're gonna cut off like his ability to swing the ball, all of those things together are sort of like symptoms that I think could hurt them later on down the road. But you mentioned, you know, Tamu played uh Tammy played a game where they shot the ball exceptionally well. I think they've only gotten into the 90s like one or two other times this year. Of course, they had their best offensive game. Uh the offensive rebounding, man. There were a couple sequences where um that led to threes that were just backbreakers. You know, Mitchell again had a turnover that led to a to an open three. So, what could have been a cut into the lead ended up extending the lead. Um I think the other thing that we need to talk about here is uh Profit Draymond. Draymond Green who just mm. turns out Saturday primetime is Watching this game, he says they need to let Rob Dillingham cook. He scores nine <laughs> points in a row, all of them dribble threes. um and I was the, my buddies that I was sitting with. I was like, well, you know what's gonna happen. This is Rob Dillingham. He's gonna take two or three more that were that are bad. That's kind of the game you play with him overall, i I just think um tough officiating in this one, you know, I'm not somebody <laughs> to like you know, I, I don't know i. Bradshaw just couldn't breathe. Uh, some of that was Kentucky's guards can't guard the ball. And Bradshaw kept having to commit to the driver and fouling. He couldn't, he, he's not super fast once he gets to the scene of the crime. Um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts as a non-Kentucky person? I, I have a lot of thoughts on this game.
0: Yeah, I thought though coming into this game was huge for Kentucky. I think, uh, what did he have? 10 rebounds in this game off the bench uh, and they needed a big to step up and actually be uh, involved and effective and I thought that was a nice sign for the future. You get a little bit more depth uh, as far as the bigs. Brad only plays six minutes in this game. You mentioned that. Uh, Reed Shepard, More FGAs, please. Let's take some more shots. Um, I know that that is a a gripe that people have had, and he also is kind of playing this point guard, you know, facilitator role at some level, initiating the offense, but he's got to take more shots. I really do think that. And Dillingham... Maybe we take a little less shots, uh, but, but we do a little bit more facilitating because he's made some great passes, especially going to the basket to be able to find guys under the basket. I mean, he's got some creativity. He's got some vision. Um, but Dillingham and Reed Shepard, I thought, were the real kind of standouts from the Kentucky side of things. And then on the flip side, I mean, that backcourt, Wade Taylor, <laughs> I mean, he was incredible. He had 31 points. And then Boots Radford, obviously, uh, 28 points in this one. But the the two calls that everyone is upset about, and it goes back to like kind of the makeup call, situation, um, is first, you got Boost Radford, shoots a three. They thought it was going to be a three and one. Um, they end up going an offensive foul because he kicks his leg out, which goes back to, you know, monitor. It was close. I mean, he barely kicks his leg out, but yeah. by, the, by the rule of the law, he kicks his leg out, right? Then we go on the other end. Rob Dillingham. I think he took, I mean, I respect that this guy took the shot. Takes a three, goes for the win. It goes all the way down. Bounces out. Reed Shepard guy's got stick them on his hands gets the rebound then he gets fouled from behind uh texas a&m fans feel like they get screwed on back-to-back calls there then we get into overtime and they immediately make a call in favor of texas a&m you know what i mean and it's like i don't need the makeup call as we get into overtime I, i need you to try to try to be somewhat fair in the actual moment but that's College basketball—it's a separate conversation. I thought Solomon Washington for Texas A&M was kind of the X factor. He was great in this game. Uh, ended up having seven and nine in this one. Plays twenty-five minutes, so that was encouraging from the Texas A&M side. Um, Justin Edwards hit a big three in this game, which I guess is encouraging to see. DJ Wagner has twenty-two or eighteen points. Reeves has twenty-two. Um, I, I just feel like when I talk about Kentucky. I'm talking about Shepard and Dillingham and then when you look at it it's like well these guys are their bench players you know but it, it does feel like as we get down into crunch time it it falls back on them which is really interesting because it feels like the politicking of who's supposed to be playing versus who's actually playing well is dictating a little bit of what's happening with Kentucky am I reading too much into that um, because that's how it feels from the outside looking in
3: yeah, uh, it's, it's, Cal's balancing, I think, trying to not lose Justin Edwards totally right. because, you know, in terms of like, in terms of like justifying being on the floor, I mean, there's just not a ton of, you know, he he made a couple shots here, but he's struggles to finish near the rim and things like that. I just, I just think near the end of the game, I think you saw them kind of struggle to manufacture a look. I think. You don't go away from like letting your 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 guys create your creators create just because just because you're like running an action doesn't mean you're going away from that. It means you just kind of reangle them and put them in a different position. And I I think you know Reeves not playing down the stretch I think was kind of tough. Um, you know yeah. he's missed some shots in big moments. I, d- I just think they need to have some kind of like call to actions for him to get a touch or get a look. Whether or not that means he takes the shot, I just think in terms of like the running the dribble drive out top sometimes if they're switching. You don't want to end up in a position where you don't get a shot at all, which is what they had if something goes wrong, so uh, I don't know. Overall, I'm not, like, super discouraged. Texas A&M played a a great game. They had to win that. They wanted to win that, Um, but I think this is just what we're going to see in conference play, man. You and I have talked about, like, the talent pool is so flattened out across the country that I think that, you know, you're you're seeing this. You're seeing all these bizarre uh, losses by ranked teams on the road, so if you have a bite taken out of you going into March, I don't necessarily think it means that you don't have a chance. You know, you're you're not going to go in. Kelvin Sampson said this. He's like the days of you know sixteen and two or whatever it was. Those those are over. You know, I, yeah. we're just not going to see that. I don't think as much. There's too much
0: talent. And then Buzz Williams after the game, an incredible press conference or, or post game uh, conversation. He said, uh, "Character counts." Uh, talking about his guys on his team. Uh, shout out to Bruce Pearl. Um, he I love that that's like the SEC calling card, you know what I mean it's like going back to character um we loved it that's a very bad guy post game and I love that and uh, if you know Buzz Williams, Buzz Williams loves thank you notes. um he loves sending out thank you notes once upon a time. uh you know, part of my former program, we got a thank you note from Buzz Williams. so I just I feel like he is like a guy that's like doing good karma plays out there in the world so that it will benefit him on a basketball court. and this felt felt like one of those days where like, Everything had to go right for for that backcourt to win this game, and it did, and it was a huge win, and they had to have it, and uh, I think Buzz Williams is writing a thank you note to the universe right now and the basketball gods because he's like, this worked out perfectly. We needed this win. We got this win, and Kentucky will be okay uh, as they move forward, so that was a big game on Saturday. Another big game, CBS. This was a primetime game. Mountain West, a.k.a. the Mountain Best. Uh, San Diego State taking on New Mexico. If you didn't watch this game, it was, like I said, uh, if, if you love second-generation superstars, you got him in this game. Jalen House, son of Eddie House, is great in this one. Mixing it up, uh, pushing guys down. He, he's he's he got some dog in him for sure. Uh, Monster Mash, Jamal Mashburn, his son, Jamal Mashburn Jr., dominating from the mid-range in this game. And New Mexico gets a big win. Jalen leD worst game he's played all year uh, from what I've seen. Uh, he was pretty much taken out of this one. But New Mexico gets a big win. Uh, Everybody's celebrating in the pit. Like I said, uh, Patino Jr. also gets a big win here. Did you watch this game on CBS,
3: and what were your thoughts on New Mexico? I did watch this game. Um, you mentioned, one. you know, the the Mashburn thing. That we were we've joked uh, over text about how there there is sort of a brawny LeBron thing going on with, you know, Mashburn is this big physical guy, and his son ends up being this score first smaller guard. Um, you know, <laughs> right? Not not the same kind of talent translation here. But um, you mentioned him in the mid range, and I thought that that was an interesting thing that happened throughout this game was. Um, they were dropping basically on everything. And he has that kind of like Kimba aspiration way that he plays, you know, obviously not to that same level, but he's, he loves his dribble pull up and, uh, he had, he had a lot of success. You know, he was hammering the pick and roll in this game. He had 14 just on his own. Um, but you know, swinging it over to the San Diego state side of things, uh, Hmm. you mentioned Ladie. they were just collapsing. He just wasn't able to produce as much. Um, you know, he had 15 points and he had four assists in this one, but four turnovers, um, they were all over him. If They were trying to basically shut the water off. I don't know if it's kind of that Julius Randle thing of like, you know, we know you want to score. We're going to force. We know that a lot of the, the source of their offense is from there, so they just kind of sold out on trying to shut shut that down, and uh, they had some success. Uh, you know, they went on a huge run in this game. You know, San Diego State actually led by 12 at the 513-minute yeah. mark in the first half, and then New Mexico went on a 9-0 run to take it to 35-32 and um, just pulled away. So a uh, big win for them. Big win for uh, Rick Patino Jr. You know over there, uh, Rich, Richard looking like uh, Jeremy Allen White over there on the sidelines. Uh, it's so. great. <laughs> it was it was a, it was a big one for them. Good win. I I love the Patino effect. I mean, they have the the
0: the big crowds. You know, a lot of people talk about just Rick Patino. It's the whole family. You know what I mean? What Richard goes down there from Minnesota. Minnesota was no fun. Uh, he was having zero fun. It just it just felt like it, it was fun at first, and then it just like went sideways quickly. They wanted to get rid of him. New Mexico is giving him new life. Uh, New Mexico has some pedigree. The Mountain West is a fun conference, and they play Utah State coming up this week, so... Uh, that's tomorrow night, 7.30. So that'll be a fun game, New Mexico, Utah State. So look out for that one. That was good. Uh, another game on the West Coast that was, uh, you know, something to talk about. Washington State, Wazoo. I got my Wazoo sweatshirt on yeah, right I now. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, shout out to Wazoo. They win against Arizona. Um, big win. Number eight, Arizona comes down, to come to Pullman. Uh, a cold, frigid game. Uh, very cold up in Pullman. And uh, Washington State, Kyle Smith gets a big win. Kyle Smith, friend of the program, so we love to see that. Um. I like Miles Rice. He got a great story, freshman for Washington State. They lost some talent last year. Muhammad Gay, T.J. Bamba goes to Villanova. But -hmm. for whatever reason, Washington State continues to be a team to look out for in the Pac-12. And I do think that they're a tournament team, and this is a nice uh, resume-building win for them. Caleb Love tried to win this game. He had some big shots late, but it wasn't enough. Um, Do you have some thoughts on Wazoo? Do you think they have a chance to be a tournament team?
3: Because uh, Bill Walton thinks so. So uh, that's one vote of confidence. Are we are we going to touch on the on the Bill Walton thing? Yes. Are we going to save that for yes. Kyle and let Kyle jump in. Um, <laughs> we we need Kyle to jump in for sure. Because my God. Yeah, Washington State, you know, twelve and five, three and three in conference right now. Um, yeah, the 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 Cougs. Uh, looking at just kind of, yeah, I'm curious about you know seven. They have seven quad four wins, and right now they're two and three against quad one. So that's pretty solid. I mean, like uh, one and one against quad two, and two and one against quad three. Um, you know, they're an active team. They they protect the rim pretty well. Um, don't shoot it super well, but they're they're a team that's physical. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you, I think, that they're going to get in. What do you think, that, like, seeding-wise? I haven't looked at the, the – where are they in bracketology? Is there, has one come out where they're seeding? I think they're, like, first four
0: out if you look at these bracketologists. But um, I will not look at the bracketologists. I would just tell you what my eye test says. I feel like they're, like, a 10 seed, right? Like, why, why can't they get in as a 10 seed? And, at and large. Be one the, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, and they have some talent. Like, I like Isaac Jones. I mean, I, I'm watching this team, and I'm like I like, I like the way that they're built. I think they're one of the better teams in the Pac 12. The Pac 12 is down this year, so you got to try to sift through uh, as they beat each other up. But I do think that they're a really good team, and especially at home. But they just have some games typically throughout the year where you're like, how did Washington State lose at Cal? You know what I mean? And they got to avoid some of those head scratchers. But otherwise, uh, a good game. I'm not panicking about Arizona. I'm I'm fine for them to kind of get you know beat around on the road a little bit. So um,
3: it's kind of your talking point. Over, I don't think Tate's <laughs> ever going to panic about Arizona. I mean, it was a close loss. I mean, look looking at their resume, Bo, I mean, Boswell is pa- is panic mode though. I mean,
0: Boswell has zero point zero six or zero rebounds in this game. I mean, that's insane. That, we, that's need the, more. Yeah, we need we more. Yeah, we're going to need more. <laughs> Gonna need more, bro. Uh, yeah, Keshad Johnson did a big shot late, but yeah, I mean, it was really, it was really sense. Caleb. Yeah. It was Caleb Love versus Washington State. Like, if you watch this game, it was like every possession, and Caleb thrives in that environment. But it's also not a way to to go and win a basketball game.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Washington State. It's funny that we talk out of both sides of our mouth a little bit, I guess, because we're talking about panic mode with Texas in terms of their record and resume and everything. And <laughs> you talk about them having a middling identity and it's like Washington's kind of in the same boat. I mean, they're kind of they're, n- they're not sticking out in terms of like, you know, uh, talking about, you know, their efficiencies and things like that. They're 72nd in offense and 52nd in defense. So it's not like that, you know, they're they're good. They're capable of beating anybody, but they're capable of losing too. So it's like you look at their best wins on their resume right now they lost to mississippi state which mississippi state might actually end up being an okay team you know they lost to santa clara 69 61 santa clara's uh, good they but, beat gonzaga yeah yeah uh so th- <laughs> you know not to, not too much to sort of fret about there but drop to colorado <laughs> drop one to oregon got wins over usc i don't know how to feel about wins over usc though i don't it's it's yeah. very Let's, you really have to kind of get in between the, like, lean in between the lines here to make these calls because I don't know—is that a great win against against USC? That, it doesn't feel like it right now. I don't know. Let, let's talk about USC because they lose to
0: Colorado, and then we got you know we got Coach Prime at the game, and we also get Bronny James's first start, and uh, and and in the process USC stalls out in this game. Uh, we also get the Bill Walton, uh, you know, quote. Let's we'll start with Bronny, and then we'll get to Bill Walton because that was late in the game. Bronny starts. All eyes are on him. When you go to the halftime show, they have the graphic like Bronny stats in the first half, zero points, I think two rebounds, whatever it is. But like, he's the point of conversation. And it, it does seem like USC, as Collier's out, they've pivoted to like, this is Bronny's time in the spotlight. And it is not going according to plan so far. So I did want to do some guess the storylines. We, we know guess the lines, Sal and Bill do this. So I'm going to do guess the storylines with Bronny like, for me, I think the next storyline that comes out in about two weeks is Bronny James is opting out the rest of the season. I, I do think we're getting to that point. I think he has to retain his value. Like in the world of PR and propaganda, I think this is a Jalen Johnson potential. Like I think there might be a world in which where the season's done, they're not going to make the tournament. He did have some health issues anyway. It might not be deemed opt out, you know. But That's I do think the angle. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a world in which we don't like we we have to enjoy these this spurt of Bronny as much as we can
3: before I think they pull the plug. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, there's a pattern that kind of starts to emerge. I mean, like you know, he he had a lot of sort of like sporadic like D and P's with when he was with Sierra Canyon too, didn't he? He, he missed it. like, what, but he had a neat, he walk back I'm trying to re- jog my memory on that he missed a lot of games and key games right and against some of the tougher com- like he didn't play against like Caleb Foster and there were like some right. whispers about like is he ducking dodging. what's going yeah, on yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a there's a duck first dodge conversation that was had for sure yeah um this is more diff- dodging than ducking this <laughs> is <It> feels <laughs> It feels different than Jalen Johnson because that was COVID year. and
0: uh, Well, that was know. incredible. Like, I mean, I, the fact that it's not talked about enough. I mean, the fact that this guy was like, I'm not going to play anymore for Duke. It'd be one thing to do it to, uh, you know, there's a myriad of teams we could through. I don't want to throw one under the bus. But, like, to do it to Duke and do it to Coach K was insane and the funniest part about it is that it's worked out. Like, he, there's two untouchable players on the Hawks right now. It's freaking Trey Young and Jalen Johnson. <laughs> you
3: know what I mean? It's, like, that's, it, it's hard to read into a person's character based on, it. yeah, you're, you're yeah, like, right. you do it at your peril. Like, he's he's been freaking awesome. Like, he, exactly. you know, it was like they were talking about how, oh, you know, can't, you know, John Collins, like, blah, 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 blah. Jalen Johnson's better than John Collins. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think we would have thought that in high school, but like, no, you know, it's, uh, it's but that's what I mean. Like it, the
0: opting out has bad optics yes. or, or like, like on the, at, at the start, done. especially Nicely when it's done. first, when it's first put out there, it's bad optics. But um, I do think it's because of Jalen Johnson, like he's paved the path where it's like, it's not the nail in the coffin. That's why I think if I'm guessing the storylines, I think there is a world in which you can do this without some big PR backlash. And if there's any group to be able to do it, it's the LeBron James media enterprise. Like they can figure it out. They can figure out the story.
3: Yeah, it, I mean, if it's no, it's not a tournament issue, I guess you have to be pretty careful about like pointing at somebody and saying you're just blaming on your heart condition, you, you coward. Like, I don't think no, that's no. a safe place to go. No, um, no, we're, we're not, not saying we're not, that. We're not doing that. Uh, I just think it's it's more of a this situation with USC just kind of reminds me of you know I've been like watching the Blazers a little bit. You know, I need to you know pray for me on that front, but like. It reminds me a little bit of how we were thinking about before the season. We were like, oh, you know, Simon's sharp and, and, uh, and Scoot, that's going to be fun. The way that's going to fit together, it kind of reminds me of the boogie call your, uh, uh, a Brawny thing. It, it just hasn't quite looked right. It hasn't gotten into synergy. It hasn't really flowed. Um, if he, if he opts out,
0: Because Boogie's hurt, Collier's hurt, Collier's out four to six weeks. So you're already down two guys right now of that three you're talking about. So Bronny's there by himself with Kobe Johnson, right? Those are the two guys. And Kobe's kind of taking the load, especially in this game, doing his best to try to keep them in the fight. But they they are obviously uh, decimated right now when it comes to the talent that they have actually on the court, not on paper, on the court. And it's like if you're Bronny – and you need to be surrounded by talented players to kind of show the be- best version of yourself. I think you can put an argument together that you're ramping up for the NBA
3: draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you, I think. At some point you you impact winning, you know, regardless. You would think that, you know, and you I would I think. guess that's that's where the conversations are going to go. People are going right. to be people are going to be like, "Okay, you know, it's not showing up in the box score. It's not, you know, doing this or that." I just think I don't know the, the choice to play at USC. I d- I just feel like I feel like he probably, if that's let's reverse that argument, if that's going to be the defense, all right, then then why don't you say like, well, why didn't you go play with a team that you knew was going to have a ton of talent? Why didn't you go play at UConn? Why didn't you, you know what I mean? Like, I I understand wanting to be close to him and things like that. the, the health condition probably would have changed that regardless. Like, they probably would have brought him closer to home anyway, but. um it's weird. I just think it's weird overall. Yeah. I, I I would have sent him somewhere to blend in. And I know I've said this, I'm a broken record a little bit, but I would have sent him somewhere to kind of blend in and let his strengths pop instead of saying like, you know, saying he's the heir to the throne, this, that, and the other. Um, I don't know. It's so it's, it's complicated convoluted. Well, now it's his team. So he can either take that and run
0: with it or, you know, he could go, you know, in some pickup runs with the South Bay Lakers and start getting prepared for the NBA journey. I mean, I think that's, that's where it's going to be. So, guessing the storylines, Bronny James edition. Uh, we don't know. Uh, in the words of Tony Blair and in, in the old uh, Chappelle kit. we just don't know. Um, we don't know what he's going to do, but we can speculate, and that's what's fun, and that's what's good with the Bronny James saga. The other thing that we got to talk about in this USC Colorado game, Bill Walton's on the call, um, and Dave Pash says, "quote They they're going to milk the clock here." Talking about Colorado, they have a big lead late, and Bill Walton responds just in a in an instant, and he said. I love it when you talk about milking. Um, and it is a very long pregnant pause that exists behind that. And uh, what were your thoughts when you saw this and heard this? I mean, what what's going on with our boy, Big Wave Billy? What's he got on
3: his mind? I'm going to throw this to Kyle. I feel like Kyle. Yeah, has, like, Kyle, of Kyle makes sense of this. <laughs> They're going to milk the clock here. Uh, I
1: love it when you talk about milking.
2: Uh <laughs> the clip is nine seconds long. Yeah. And four and a half seconds of it is silence. Um, I think I think <laughs> it's about half the clip, folks. <laughs> yeah. That that's half the clip. No silence. Uh you're right. He didn't miss a beat. And I think I think he needs to keep doing stuff like this on a quarterly basis. Because <laughs> we weren't talking about Bill Walton enough. It had been a while since right. Maui. And uh I don't know. There was probably something in between that he said that was questionable or funny or both. But uh, I mean, I think I think we just need to get one of these every couple of months, um, and I guess it just means if you're the guy who's paired—I don't know who this guy was. Maybe um, maybe I should. Dave who Pasch, is his partner? I believe. Okay. It's always fast, right? Yeah. yeah, for the I, most part. Yeah. Okay, I think there's just. Turns out you got to add this to the list of trigger words, <laughs> because yeah. like it's not like Bill Walton didn't know, right? You can't <laughs> say that he didn't know. Yeah, but it's like I mean, it's like when like when we were like 13, and like there's certain things you couldn't say around your friends. Cause you know, that's back when everything was gay or whatever. Like obviously we've changed our <laughs> vernacular now, but like there used to yeah. be stuff you just can't say. Right. Cause you say right. something and be like, Oh you're, man, you're that, saying, was, that say, test was really hard. And your buddy's like, Oh, like now you can't say milk. <laughs> you can't yeah. say milk around Bill Walton. Yeah. So you're gonna just to to the list. Of things. They're just running clock here.
0: Yeah. They're, yes. they're not milking clock. Like as soon as you say milking, like all bets are off. Anything is possible. Um, I think that's a fair point. They're just running clock out there.
3: I'm afraid I would be afraid to like Bill Walton's one of those guys where I'm like, he's either absolutely surface level or it's so deep that I would be disturbed <laughs> and want to kill myself with Rick Patino. You know, like I, yeah. I, I can't decide which it is. Was it? Cause it well, didn't seem innocent. I don't want to know. I kind of don't want any access to his Google analytics. I don't want to know what he knows. You
0: but know. You're right. Like if you say something like bill, what are you talking about? That's pretty crass to say. He would be like, we all need milk to survive.
2: You don't understand things. You know what I mean? And
0: then he goes super deep and you're like, Oh man, like I, I don't know. I don't appreciate how much milk is, you know, ingrained into the society that we live in. And you know, I gotta, you know what I mean? And so that's the thing with Bill Wald. He can go surface and get you with a nice little you know milker's joke or he can uh <laughs> he can go super deep you know what i mean like that it's it's a that's why dave bash is doing the lord's work i mean what what's kind of sinister, sinister.
2: <laughs> it's kind of sinister in this it situation is sinister.
3: it's a little unsettling it's like it's like what does he know you know it's the uh
2: well, it's,
0: the, it's a good uh, way to keep people on their toes you know what i mean like he, like if everybody's off balance you're always on point you know what i mean like that's bill walton's angle on life yeah because now like, you're like can i say balls
2: <laughs> like like you roll the balls out he's like oh, i love when you talk about balls like what yeah like, what what where does it end
0: yeah, he he he'd be like Dave. That's not professional. Don't we'll talk about balls. <laughs>
2: right.
3: <laughs> yeah. If if you're a, if everybody's off balance, that means you're in good in good shape to score. You're in good position to score. Yeah, so right. you know, Bill, I, I don't know. I, it's 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 tough to know what's going on in his brain. <laughs> I, I I don't. Uh, I'd be afraid to know. Honestly, like I said, it could be totally innocent and surface level, or uh, you know it's 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 confounding honestly <laughs> it's uh it is shocking
0: and uh the shock in all of that moment completely took me away from worrying about Le- you know Bronny James's future so i think that was the purpose you know it was a nice little uh, change of pace there from Bill Walton so shout out to big way billy let's do some shout outs let's run through some things that happened uh Santa Clara Beacon Zag i mentioned that uh they broke the streak of 26 straight losses and Steve Nash was in the building shout out to Steve Nash shout out to Herb Index, shout out to Adama Ball who uh, the Arizona Transfer who was great in this game. So, uh, big win for Santa Clara. Big win for Herb Sendik. Uh Another upset. Maryland goes to Illinois. Illinois is a, a team that had been playing great at home, and they lose to Maryland at home. And Maryland had some great moments. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt and uh, all the diehard Terrapin fans out there. That was a big win. Um, Memphis, North Carolina, the two teams that score 100 plus points in conference games this weekend, UNC did it to Syracuse, Memphis did it to Wichita State, so those are some shocking scores and uh, shout out to the offense of both teams uh, Steven Izzo, uh, son of Tom Izzo, got his first career bucket against Rutgers, it was a ridiculous fadeaway and one, uh, like it looked like something out of Like Mike, I mean it was unbelievable stuff, so shout out to Stephen Izzo, that was great to see um, did you guys see that? Kyle, did you see Steven Enzo hit the shot? Were you fired up? No, I
2: got I got tweeted and thank you guys for tweeting. Um, <laughs> but then I went and checked it out. But uh what a what a great moment. Yeah, Twitter what went wild. Moment. Twitter yeah. went wild. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and honestly, like Michigan State, I don't understand how they're able to keep the PR at the level that they are, but like you look at their conference record, they're like one and four in conference. Um, they're like nine and seven on the season, maybe ten and seven now. But regardless, I was watching the TV shows this morning on Fox, and they're like, Michigan State is a tournament team. Um, so I don't—I guess the <laughs> resume doesn't matter um, if you got good vibes. So Steven Izzo, you brought the good vibes, and now your team is back in the tournament. Congratulations to you. Uh, Tucker DeVries. We have not talked about him, and I watched a little bit of the Drake, the key plays of the Drake game. And Kyle, man, you texted me. We have not talked about Tucker Devries, so I wanted to give you uh, 20 seconds. So your thoughts on Tucker Devries? Is he? Is everything okay? Like his dad might be leaving soon. A lot of people want to hire his dad away from Drake. Drake's been a good program. Uh, Tucker Devries, big part of that. Uh, they
3: got a big win this weekend. What? Any? Any update here? How do we feel about Tucker? Uh, the big thing was just last year, there was a lot of conversation about him as a prospect. And this year it's, it's been quiet, you know, he's quiet. up his production every year. He's been in college, you know, you seeing him more on ball, seeing him making more decisions. Um, that might've affected his, his percentages. I haven't gone in and looked at his dribble pull up versus his catch and shoot. There'd be something to keep an eye on, but I love him as a shooter. Uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of gives me some McDermott kind of vibes. Like he's a guy like a movement shooter, but he has that big body. Um, he struck me as a guy who absolutely could be a pro last year. So uh, we'll see. But uh, from what I heard is I uh, wanted to go back and play for his dad one more time. Maybe this is his last year. Maybe he knew that. Maybe he just saw this as if you don't got to go. You know, maybe you get a good situation there if you, if you know you're going to go and be comfortable and get better. Um, and this also another thing to consider, too, is this draft. That's always a, a factor when you're talking about, you know, will they, won't they? Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Um, this draft is weaker as we know. So maybe it made sense for him to come back, work on things and get a better, you know, get a better spot, get more guaranteed money. Yeah. Tucker DeVries is a pro basketball player. Um, if you watch him play, you can see that.
0: I don't know if that means he's going to be an NBA pro, but he's going to be a pro basketball player. So I like that. I like the shout out another pro basketball player that if you didn't see it, you should have seen it. Dalton connect this weekend against Georgia. It was incredible. Um, basically will Tennessee to a win. They needed to have it. Um, Georgia a tough team. Shout out to blue Kane, a freshman for Georgia. He literally looks like Kyle guy out there. He's got a little like head bun going on and he's like hitting threes. So, uh, that was a nice little nod there to our guy Kyle Guy and uh, Dalton Connect was great in that game thirty plus points um, ridiculous he's not in the conversation when we talk about best players in the country I don't know what it is there's some sort of disconnect between Dalton Connect and uh, I just want to connect I want to connect these things out there you did I want to be the clearly to
3: make that joke and I need uh, you to admit it right I now. just
0: want to connect it I want to connect the dots out there for everyone Dalton Connect top ten player in basketball might even be top five um, so if you haven't watched him play go watch him. Uh, Wisconsin, I said that they're the second best team in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I don't know what that means, but shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations uh zach Eady! 30 points 20 rebounds that's impressive he continues to be number one on the wooden award list so it does feel like that's inevitable um ben hallen went to the ucsb game and gave a wink to the camera shout out to ben hallen great to see him former ucla coach of the likes of kevin love russell westbrook darren collison um and then one last shout out for me byu had a married players graphic that that was shown during their game, <laughs> yeah. so I I thought that was incredible. Um, that, that was one. really cool. Yeah. So so shout out to Spencer Johnson, Trading Christensen, Richie Saunders, and Trevon Nell, uh, for being married and playing basketball for BYU.
2: Those four. Is that guys. like a fun halftime game? It's like match the player to his wife, and a fan yeah. has to do it. Or oh wow! Like I, I, like I want to pin. Yeah,
0: Kyle, <laughs> Photoshop the graphic and put your name on it, and then and then we'll tweet it out because all those are all the married guys that we know in college basketball and uh that would be great so that's all i got those are the shout outs a a great weekend in college basketball
2: well not so great because we have to shout out the kylist guy of all this year sean jones who went down uh kyle man texted us i guess i wasn't watching this game but i just i think the text back uh after he said he sent the update that he went out with uh, a season ending injury god (laughs) fucking damn it is what i texted back uh this was i think this was in the loss to butler right um. So that's yes. that's really sad. He's I I he was definitely my favorite guy to watch. Um, fastest player in the country with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, so so seeing that was really sad. So shout I out guess to him. Send Thoughts me on prayers. whoever's the second fastest player in the country so I can get another guy. <laughs> like I tell you, your guy. I think it's Cadot Tate when I was watching. He he was yeah. he kind of seemed like that. Uh, he's got a little bit of hang time on the hair, and also he was just moving fast. I think the hair like the longer hair than like a you know a traditional buzz makes you look faster than you actually are. I haven't proven that. It's just a thought that I've I think had. That's it's good. I think it's good theory. Um, so that's yeah. really sad. I didn't like that
0: at all. I like it though. Elliot Cadeau, uh, step up. I think Elliot Cadeau with the ball in his hand has some of the, like he has gears of speed. You know what I mean? Where you can see him shifting into different gears, which is fun to watch. It's, yeah. It gives me a little Ty Lawson vibes. And uh, Carolina needs a point guard like that. They can just go get a layup and hit the jets real quick. So he's a nice piece.
3: Yeah, a lot of gears, you know, none of them fast enough to avoid Reed Shepard's hands, but, you know, it's, it's good for
2: good for him that he's fast, right? <laughs> uh, oh, Reed. Can I uh, shout out the top 25 that just came out? Um, oh, yeah, please. We've got a new number one. That's your UConn Huskies. Wow. Um, They're nice. number one. They jumped uh, right. Purdue. Carolina jumped three no, spots. They're number four. Houston dropped three to number five. Kentucky dropped two to number eight. Memphis, Bullshit. number 10. Memphis, number 10. Jumped shout three out spots. To penny. Um, Marquette dropped to number six. Oof, hate to see it. Creighton jumped to number four. Can I ask you this? Do you think that St. John's would have been in the top 25 if they beat Creighton that is was ranked, I think, 22 before? Or do you think they'd still be on the outside?
0: They'd still be on the outside, but they ha- they'd have votes. You know what I mean? Like, they'd be yeah. right on the cusp of getting in. You know what I mean? So we need a few more weeks of Rick winning some big games. They're, uh, they're yeah, right they're, there. They're,
3: they're yeah they're they're like in terms of like just the the different efficiency ratings and things they're hanging around man I mean they you know they're 24th and 31st in, like an off defense and offense so it's not like they're outs the resumes just got to validate it you know it's all about resume yeah. so they're they'll they'll get there yeah I think they probably would have gotten in if they'd beaten Craig all
0: right that's a good call. that's all I got. And- Shout out to David Jones uh, for Memphis. I feel like when I, I did the player of the year, like number two guys that are in it, I didn't mention David Jones, and uh, he's a St. John's transfer. That's why I connects the tissue there, but uh, shout out to him. He's having a great year. I mean, averaging like 25 points a game. So uh, Memphis, number 10 in the country. Uh, I got some games to watch I wanted to highlight. We got Alabama at Tennessee this week. That's going to be a fun one. Creighton at UConn will be good. I said Utah State, New Mexico. That's going to be a great one as well. Um, Georgia at Kentucky is going to be a fun game. So uh, I talked about Blue Cane. I'm excited. I, it's fun to watch Kentucky this year. So they're they're on my list pretty much when they play. I watch them. Texas Tech at Houston will be a good one. And San Diego State, Boise State will also be a good game. So uh, if you're trying to find games to watch, those are those are some ones to highlight. We got all the shout-outs in. Uh, anything else, gents, before we get out of here? That's
3: Nothing?
0: it. Wow. Feeling good. I love it. That's
3: all. I think we covered it all.
0: Yeah, I love it. Beautiful Monday here. Hope everybody enjoys the holiday and has a little bit of a break. And uh, again, this has been One Shining Podcast, and we will see you on Friday. We'll talk then. Sports. Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccp g. org slash chat in Connecticut, one eight hundred nine with it in Indiana, one eight hundred five two two four seven hundred, or visit KSGamblingHelp.com dot com in Kansas, 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit one eight hundred gambler. in West Virginia, or call one eight hundred five two two four seven hundred in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.